I'd like for you to welcome Diane Smokerowski. And let there be smoke in the house! Okay. Alrighty, my friends. Who in here is a 21st century educator? Well, I am an eighth grade language arts teacher, which means that I hang out with kids that smell the worst. <laughs> but have the coolest ideas, have the greatest products, and they rock. And I love hanging out with them. And I teach at Andover Middle School, some of my Andover people here. This is my principal. Everybody's the principal. There you go. It's all about great administration. Okay. And I'm here to kind of talk to you today about what it takes to start with a 21st century classroom. What does it look like? Is it high tech? How many of you think it would be high tech? Probably. One, one laptop? Or some comparable device? Maybe. Would, would there be projection? See. Would there be opportunities to connect outside of the classroom? Definitely. There could be a telephone. There could be a telephone. <laughs> I do have a telephone. Yes. Would there be an opportunity for kids to create? Video? Yep. Skype? Yep. What about Facebook? What? <laughs> what about Twitter? Would there be Twitter in the room? Maybe. Okay. Would there be partnerships with the community? All right, let's take a look. We aren't Skyping into my room because they're watching a video today. <laughs> the kids would be looking at you like this. My students are currently uh, reading the diary of Anne Frank, and with that, they are watching the film. Why I'm away is a good sub thing to do, uh, but they are going to take that one step further next week. We are going to actually create. It's not a scrapbook. It's called a sketchbook, and it's a learning log. You guys heard of learning logs? Yeah, science class and math class. They're going to create their own on paper to be an art tool as we go through the Holocaust unit to reflect with art each day. So when we get to, because we will read the book Night by Liesel next, and you ask your students something like, if you had to leave tomorrow, if you were told you have 20 minutes to pack and you only get to carry what's on your person, what are you going to take? Would a 21st century cl classroom have open-ended questions? Why? Talk to the person next to you. Why? Okay. I hope, I think I'm hearing things like it gives the children all to have their own voice. <laughs> they, everyone has an opinion. One of the biggest things, however, when it comes to 21st century classrooms, 
is that there's this huge misconception that teachers already know what the 21st century skills are. How many of you know teachers who have no idea what those are? I won't ask you if you don't know. (laughs) But I'll share them with you. What are they? Well, and there will be a larger, better version of this here in a moment. These are actually lifelong skills. And they're divided up into three categories. Learning and innovation, information, media, and technology, and life and career skills. We're going to look at this a little bit more effectively here, but how many of the skills are tech-driven? Out of 12, hold your hands. How many of them are tech-driven, do you believe? One, two, eight, five, six. Mm, Let's take a look. Learning and innovation, creativity and innovation, critical thinking and problem solving, communication and collaboration. How many of those are tech? All or none. All or none, depending how you look at it. Could it be done without tech altogether? Yes, it can. 21st century classrooms don't have to be driven by technology. They are driven by giving students opportunities to think, my friends. Imagine, not an ABCD, multiple choice test. They're going to think and create. An example of this, you've seen this 3D printer next door? Let's see if I can get the audio to work. Cozy would take his first steps in product design. Kosi created his own digital object using simple modeling software that was then sent to a wonderful new tool called a fabricator. This is called Fable um, Vision. Known as digital this is Little Kid. It may seem Kindergarten, like first grade. Cutting edge reality. And basically the student creates a model in Google SketchUp or in the tool that they have, and it prints out the model for a foldable. Kindergarten doing engineering, my friends. Now the technology just makes it visual, and now it gets to touch it. Because is it true that little people are tactile people? Absolutely. And this is just printing out his product to create. How cool would that be? And it's not outrageously in cost either. Okay, it's in, it was in beta mode last summer. I don't know where it is at, the, at this current moment. But Fable Vision and Fab Software, they're putting together ways to bring engineering into the classroom. Now, this, they have some that are little bitty kids and some of them are middle school in this, in this commercial slash YouTube video. But, now, I don't know about you, but if that were in math and science class, and not because it's the tool. It's not. That's not because there's tech involved. But if I had the opportunity to take this abstract thought and make it where I could hold it, I might not be a language arts teacher today. <laughs> I might have gone with science and engineering. This one I'm not going to show you the video about, but you may have heard of this. This was in England. And if you don't have teachers.tv on your favorites, you need to put it in there. Teachers.tv is case studies out of the UK on out exemplary teaching ideas to use in the classroom and case studies. This case study 
is a group of students building an opera. All the students are deaf. And they build a three-act opera with percussion and dance and the whole, they sing the whole night. It's a 53-minute video, so I didn't think you wanted to spend that much time, but I do <laughs> encourage you to go check it out. Is that creativity? Innovation? You ever heard of deaf folks building uh, opera before? I mean, Beethoven wrote symphonies, but that's pretty incredible. Collaboration? Yeah. They actually collaborated with the community. Techie? Not so much. Brilliant? <laughs> Absolutely. This is a project my students did this uh, last month. We are doing nonfiction reading. And you've heard of dioramas and that sort of thing before. This is actually a parade float built out of a shoebox. The students had to choose a nonfiction book of their choice, being language arts and trying to push them around the library. Because they love to go hang over in the fiction side, and the rest of that is only during the research paper time. Isn't it interesting though that when we get to high school, we all stand over here and the research and the fiction's ignored. Side note, teacher thing. Students were reading their book of their choice. And these artifacts had to mean something to the student reporting on the book. And this student actually had to build himself. That was part of it. You had to be a, um, a character on your parade float. This is my student hanging upside down as Houdini. It's Josh Dutton, by the way. <laughs> Uh, and all of these artifacts, and he wrote a paper that goes along with it about what makes Houdini a great person. Or, if he didn't think he was great, why not? But it was, this is just one example. There were several that go out of there. Techie? Tiny bit. They had to have a picture of himself to be built in there. And that could have been real simple. He could have just thrown this picture of like this and cut himself out. But he had to be interactive with the product. Creativity? Out of the box thinking? Fun. It was great. Okay. This is a project that Cindy May, way, way Cindy May, there's Cindy May. This is, if you don't know Cindy May, great educator. Uh, this is a project that she and I did for collaboration in 2005 ish. Okay. We connected with students in Australia and had them collaborate with us on what does it mean to be ethical and energy efficient, okay? The students, we use the Intel thinking tools. It's a free tool to kind of bring ideas out visually. The students in each country were paired up. So we had two or three kids from Andale, Kansas, with two or three kids from whatever Australia, linked up to be a team. And we used a wiki as our communication portal. When they were awake, we were asleep. When we were awake, they were asleep. But it became a research project, and we used the wiki as a communication tool between partners. What you see here is a list of current energy issues around the world and what they believe needed to be the most critical things to change on our planet. Over on the left, we have a team that said they felt that the rise in CO2 levels in the air was 
something is critical followed by forest burning. Where over here on the right, fossil fuels burning was something that that other team believed was the most critical. Um, and down at the bottom, they have the coral reef as the most least important thing to worry about. And it's interesting, even though this is one team, the majority of those students that were in Australia felt that drought was the number one trouble. And we didn't know this until we were three months into the project that they said, oh, by the way, we've been in a seven-year or 12-year, 12-year drought in Australia. So how many of you like the really nice, long, hot shower? You know, get 15 minutes or longer. If you're a little smoke, it's 30 minutes, but that's another discussion. <laughs> 15 minutes. They take two-minute showers because there's a water shortage in their area. If you want to water your lawn, use gray water. Wash your dishes, what's left over, throw it in the yard. Uh, that sort of thing. And our students didn't have any idea what this was all about. So there caused some tension between the, the two groups when they were trying to make conclusions and agreements. And it wasn't until we understood the perspectives of each side that it made sense. Our students were very concerned about air quality. But lo and behold, there's a ethanol plant around the corner. And the air quality as you drive by, it smells like a brewery in our community as it, where I was teaching. And they didn't understand that. So we opened the door to learning. We partnered up and continued. For about 12 weeks, 12, 13 weeks, the project ran. Phenomenal moments. And in the end, our students realized by listening to other perspectives around the world, maybe we all need to learn how to be more energy efficient. It's a pretty cool opportunity. Techie? Little. Collaborative? Definitely. Creative? Some. Critical thinkers? Definitely. Okay. All right, information and media tech literacy. This is the part where we bring in the idea of true technical components. But my favorite part about this is the ethical use of information. What are you going to do with it? And maybe that's a language arts or slash librarian kind of mindset because librarians love copyright, don't they? How many librarians are in here? You love copyright, don't you? No, she doesn't. <laughs> um, but, and what are you going to do with information? And when you find a website, is it legitimate? What propaganda components are they trying to give out to young people or even anybody when they look at a website? This is what my students end up doing. Last year we were reading Treasure Island. I teach eighth grade language arts. And not an easy book to read. The students, because it's a 21st century classroom, we look at those skills, but another component is that it has to have a real world connection to it. The science one you saw just a little bit ago was a science unit on energy that we took and gave it a real world application and talked to people who were dealing with real world science issues. With this one, the students were reading Treasure Island, and so we brought in the real idea of piracy. And we had them look on the web about piracy, and of course they found some Somalian pirates. But then they found a whole interesting group of information on companies that are passing anti-piracy laws. And 
iTunes was under fire for things. And LimeWire, many of my students had LimeWire accounts, and they realized, what's this all about, Mrs. Smoke? There's something to this whole piracy thing. You're right. So we took that and we collaborated from that point forward, collaborated with recording industry artists, the the National Movie Theater owners, the FBI, Cox Cable, you name it, we called them. We called them all. The students huddled around my desk on the floor. And they had all of these questions about this stuff, and I knew this much, but they had this amount of questions, a great number of questions. So they, they said, you, what, how are we going to answer this? They go look online, guess what they find? Websites written for what? Age range. Lawyers! <laughs> Nobody can read this stuff. And so we said, I need to go get help. I went digging on the web and I found a few phone numbers, including the Motion Picture Association of America, knowing at the time that Dan Glickman is was head of the Motion Picture Association. I'm thinking, can I play this Kansas car? <laughs> we can't make this happen. The kids huddled around me on the floor and because... You know, long distance isn't really accepted into the classroom, so it's kind of bad. Broke out the cell phone. Said, Hi, I'm Mrs. Smoke. This is my class. And they're like, hey. And I said, we are a group of teens who are curious about copyright. Would you have somebody who'd be willing to talk with us? I'll get back to you. And then Dan Glickman's secretary calls and said, we'd like to talk to you about it. And he skypes in with the class. It's phenomenal. And it expanded from there, and the students did all kinds of research with Skype calls and things. And then I said, okay, we're still reading Treasure Island. You can't keep this treasure of information. What are you going to do with it? And they said, well, let's build a website. <laughs> Not a website. I have to keep it up when you leave me. <laughs> I don't want a website. This is smoke, you don't understand. We can build a website and create a Facebook campaign to bring kids all around the world to this website. It has to be something we can send them to, point them to. Okay. So we went to Wix.com, which is a place to build free interactive websites. Thanks to Ginger Lewis, she showed that to me at Podstock a couple years ago. I remember that. I'm going to use it. And the students have built an entire website on teaching teens on what to do ethical with music, video, text, and images. Yes? What's the name of the website that you used to build them? Wix, W-I-X. Wix. <laughs> and it came up with the name of Layarg, with the idea that any pirate would say arg, but a French pirate would say layarg, and that was very cool. <laughs> So the students went digging on the web to see if anybody else had taken Layard. Nobody did, so it's ours. So now we have our own little trademark and everything. I can tell you now that these students are freshmen. They have a different perspective on being digital citizens than any other freshman I've seen. They are passionate about it. It wasn't anything that I had done, but they felt the world needed to know. So it gives you an idea. Techie? Yes. Quite a bit of techie. Creative, critical thinking, collaboration. See how it all works? Okay. All right, life and career skills. This is the part of the 21st century skills where the companies came forward and said, these are the skills that kids miss the most before they come to see us as entry-level workers. 
they don't understand how to be flexible. Hmm, I know some eighth graders who don't know how to be flexible. Do you know some students like that? They don't know how to connect with cross cultures. Is there anything in this room that was 100% thought out, created, manufactured, and delivered in the United States? Anything in this room? Besides the human beings in it? Can you think of anything? How many countries were involved in just building this remote, do you think? Multiple. Okay. So it's imperative for our students to learn how to connect with people around the world. It's critical. Because as they leave us, they're going to be working cross-global. We is a global working society. My students right now are teaming up with this group of kiddos. I know it's not a great photo. But this is a group of children in Nigeria. When we read another book called Stealing Freedom, and it's also going along with the Anne Frank component, the idea of the summary of both of these is if you have the opportunity to learn and change the world, would you do it? These students are orphans. Most of their children, most of their parents were murdered. Uh, many of their parents have AIDS and died. Some of these children have AIDS. This young gal over here, I know you can't see her well, she's 16 years old. She has Down syndrome. And there is no special education services whatsoever in that village of Nigeria. My students um, connected with these guys personally. I mean, we haven't gone over there or anything, but we are building collaborations with them as a partnership. These beautiful faces are building artwork to put in our library while we are raising funds to build a library for them. Okay? I can't tell you how amazing it is when the students can collaborate and see the idea of how important education really is. How spoiled are we here? Do you have some cool stuff in your room? Do you have some really cool stuff in your room? Do you have even things on the wall? These students don't. They don't even have flooring. They don't have chairs. The children have their own makeshift folding chairs they carry to school to sit with 50-plus children in a room because they just want to learn. My students don't have the concept of that at all. They're more worried about is how many layers of socks can we wear to look cool. <laughs> so this has been an interesting component for that. Something we're working on now. Okay. Now, what's different here? What are the roles of each group? I'm going to start on the student side. The students get to learn how to be self-directed learners. How many of your students need to know how to be a little more? Oh, they did. Okay. They get to create and innovate for authentic audiences, for real-world situations. They collaborate with different cultures and experts experts in the field. Let me tell you, it was pretty cool to talk to Dan Bletchman, the head of Motion Picture Association of America. And I should tell you, we didn't stick all with that. We did look at the other side of the issue. I didn't want to leave that out there. About, there's a big group of people that say we should be able to share the music freely no matter what. So we looked at that too. Contribute, contribute positive impacts to community. Change the world. Isn't that why we went in education in the beginning? I believe my kids can change the world. 
I've seen it. And it's way cool and exciting. Okay? And then over here on the left, what happens for us? Our job is to design these opportunities for learning. How can we make all this happen? We get to learn with the kids. I didn't know anything about copyright, really. Except that there was the don't do that. You know? Learned quite a bit, and I'm learning a great deal about Nigeria this year. What? Network with professionals and experts. How many of you are already in my network? My Plurk network. How many of you have taken a class for me? See? Got a network right there. Okay. Um, redirect projects based on student input and questions. If the students say, but what about this? We as teachers have to be just as flexible and say, okay, if that still hits the standards, I'm redirecting it to help you answer the questions you need, as long as we still get to the final product that I need you to, to arrive to the final conclusion. Okay, so how do I start? And I know we're down to just for a tiny bit, tiny, tiny bit of moments here. Uh, no, I've got 20 minutes? Is that my job? I, I ended three, is that right? Is that when I ended at three? Okay, I'm good. Cool, we're great. All right, just have to absorb some more, okay? Good. Um, ask yourself, what are the lifelong learning lessons you want students to have? What do you want them to take away from you, not just this year, but forever? What is it forever changes? Isn't it cool to think like that? I've created a Linowit page. If you've not seen Linowit, it's kind of like Wallwisher, but better. Tinyurl.com slash macesmoke. It's pretty easy to get to. Go ahead and add a post-it note to that. What are the lifelong learning lessons you want students to take away from your class? If you haven't gathered already, mine's collaboration. <laughs> That's very important to me, and especially global collaborations. Tinyurl.com slash macesmoke. Okay. Do you want them to make a difference in your community? Get along with one another? Is that something we all continue to work on from kindergarten to 12th grade? <laughs> how many businesses still have to go back and have that? This is how we work together, boys and girls. Thinking critically. Science teachers like this one. They want them to think, how do I solve this problem? If that doesn't work, what should I try next? Connect with other cultures. Be self-directed learners. Would you love for your students to be more motivated? Yeah. Solving world issues. We have wonderful things that are happening. Not wonderful. They're terrible, but wonderful learning opportunities in the world right now of things that are happening around the world, especially with democracy. Different kinds of governments. We were talking about that. Becky and I were just a little bit ago. Is there a way we could connect what's happening in the world and make a difference with that? I don't have a link to it, and it's no longer live, but there was something that was called Friends and Flags. Has anybody heard of it? Send me another thing. <laughs> Friends and Flags was designed by a teacher in Israel with the idea of if we could connect two different cultures together, maybe we could learn to get along so as we age, we stop blowing each other off, okay? 
She wanted to talk to students in Pakistan, or Pakistan, in Palestine, excuse me, Palestinian versus Israeli discussions. And what the teacher did is created a box full of artifacts all about our culture. And then the students in the other country did the same. They exchanged those boxes to say, huh, it's real interesting. We're a lot of life. Could we learn to get along? And it became a worldwide project where you could have six different countries involved with yours, or a roundtable group of six. You'd build six artifact boxes and send them to France and Japan and Korea, Kenya, and just get to learn to know kids around the world. Wouldn't that be cool? She doesn't do it any longer, but if you know, if I ever won the lottery, I would re-kick it into gear. Okay. Then you take a look at your standards. What are the standards that students struggle with the most? What partnerships can I organize that it might help me connect students to the learning? And what ISTE standards, or what are those NETS, T, NETS, S, that fit easily with my curriculum? My students were having trouble with figurative language. So we had them create idiom photos. <coughs> this is bending over backwards. Okay? And they had to show, there's other components, they had to show teamwork, and they had to have the color blue. I just want to take it and make them think a lot harder out of the box when they did it. But this was bending over backwards, or helping her do that with teamwork. Okay? And that was a competition with other schools. We had some in Illinois and Texas who also competed with us, who could come up with the most creative visual to go along with idioms. Could you partner with the zoo? Museums nearby. If you are in the Wichita area, their education department at the Sedgwick County Zoo is phenomenal. Shanae is a woman you definitely need to put in your contact list or at the Great Plains Nature Center. Joyce Went, love her, love her, love her. A former first grade teacher and she's about this tall and she gets 12th graders to come over and she holds her little hand out and those 12th graders are like, she's the coolest lady in the world. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. The Cosmosphere. What museums are near you? And don't have to even think in our local area. The Smithsonian. The National Archives. What could you connect with? Misconception number two. Teachers need to be tech savvy to be a 21st century educator. They don't have to be. The reality is that teachers need to determine what the end goal or product should look like. Like I want the students to make a connection with Australia so that, or some sort of thing on energy. And then Cindy and I sit down and say, okay, what tools do we need to do to make that happen? So you start with the end product and go from there. I'm gonna give you a scenario. So you're gonna to talk to some people. You're not afraid to talk to people, are you? Okay. Seventh grade health class, studying the body systems. What would you normally see? What have you seen? How many have you seen the PowerPoint? 37 times. By 37 students, exact same PowerPoint. You've seen that one? What else? Video. Worksheets? Have you seen those? Yeah? Label. Label. And, oh, and then it's 
really cool if you like put it in Excel and label it, then it's like digital worksheet, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else pretty is that is that still what you're seeing even today? You hope not, but you still see it, don't you? Okay. Let's look at it from a 21st century environment. Starting out with the lifelong lessons or the big ideas that go along with the body systems unit. Here's some ideas here. Healthy choices. How physical health connects to mental health. How healthy cycles work. What it means to have a healthy community. Any of those sound like they might work? Okay, so you start with what, what connections do we want to do with lifelong lessons. Let me jump over those real quickly. I'm sorry, I'm going to make you dizzy. There you go. Okay. Then you look at your standards. And again, what real-world connections could you make? All right, talk to your buddies near you. What real-world connections could you make with the body systems unit? Talk to your neighbor. If you need to introduce yourself, fine. But talk to somebody. classroom. We're going to jump over that. And then you invite your students to be a part of the decision-making process. What would they like to see happen and do? When we did this with seventh graders, we took a teacher who said, Smoke, I really am tired of doing the PowerPoint. I said, that's music to my ears. Let's talk. And she said, I want to take the systems unit and make it better said, well, let's sit down and talk with the students. Their idea, whoa, that just went way back. Okay. Their idea was to talk with the medical experts in our community. So we invited the local doctor, Dr. Lindsay Landers, to come talk to our students. She came on her lunch plan, lunchtime, bless her sweetheart. And the students had a whole list of questions about, you know, what are the biggest health concerns you see in our community? As you see people age, what are the biggest problems? Which of these systems fail first for our community as we age? What do you think they came up with? Call it a map. What do you think, what do you predict 
was the answer the doctor said? Heart disease. Circulatory system. It was actually skin cancer, which surprised me. And I don't think it would be the same as we took our 14-year-olds now and moved them forward in their lives. I don't think skin cancer is going to be the issue. There's going to be other issues depending on you know what's going on in the world. But the majority of the elderly people in our community suffer from melanomas. Okay? So the students partnered with Radio Disney, who's no longer in our community, but they partnered with them uh, to build a public service announcement that would air on Radio Disney to help teach other kids in our community about how to keep your skin safe. So they took that system and teamed it up with everything else that we were learning and then impacted our community. And I don't know if you'll be able to hear it. I heard bike ride. Well, where's your home? I don't need to wear a helmet. But you might get hurt. It's not right, Sparky. Oh, this was bike safety. Oh, let me go get my helmet. During all your summer fun, remember to stay safe. You should always wear a helmet and knee pads when you ride a bike. If you don't, you might hurt yourself. Also remember to look both ways before crossing the street. Encourage your friends to have a fun and safe summer, too. Okay, so there was a couple of ones, but... We also did bike safety, but sun safety and bike safety were the number one and two things that we discussed. And so their stuff made a difference in our community. Pretty cool all the way around. Okay. So what does it take? It takes you and some creative thinking. How many of you love to put on your creative thinking caps? Don't get to do that very often, do we? And it sure beats a whole lot of that stuff that comes out of the textbook. Teacher says this now. Here are some possible responses that your students may say. If this is done, then choose option A and ask this next question. Completely different. And I'll tell you another thing that happens. In social studies world, we have a lot of uh, teachers that will say, I get tired of playing the devil's advocate. I know, i got to go. Okay. And this gives an opportunity to look at both sides of the issue. So there's something that we along in those lines. All right, I'm going to jump up here. If you would like to find more about me or talk to me more often, this is my blog. I'm Clerk, I'm Mrs. Smoke, in my email and so forth. And the last one is my classroom website if you'd like to see more of the products that our students have created, published. But I thank you, and I look forward to seeing more 21st century classrooms. Thanks.